When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Tuesday, July 2nd from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, an NBA free agency palooza. Who went where, what teams won, what teams lost, and what's yet to come. Check your sources, we're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Athletics never disappoints, nor does this show. The dust is settling slightly from a wild... 24 hours in NBA free agency. We postponed this show by a day thinking that probably the biggest name left would fall, but not yet. So there will still be some speculation, but we do know where many of the biggest names in the NBA will be going, at least where they say they're going. There could be miracles that happen because nothing is signed quite yet, but it's all set up for... A couple super teams here and there, a couple whoa moments. It was everything you could hope for and more if you're a fan of the NBA and you like this sort of thing where players have taken it upon themselves to decide where they want to play and who they want to play with. It's a new era in the NBA, and we have plenty of storylines now because of it. The best team in New York, folks, if you've been in a time machine for years, your Brooklyn Nets, not the New York Knicks, who somehow became one of the biggest stories of free agency by not doing anything that was groundbreaking. Quite the way to go about things if you're the New York Knicks, and RIP to their fans, RIP to Stephen A. Smith, who had quite the day on television. It's something that they didn't expect the world should have, the New York Knicks. I, I don't know if Julius Randle's family is going to be too happy with that pronouncement. <laughs> uh, on, on that is true. Doing anything of note. Three years and $63 million. Hello, folks. Uh, Alan Otto with the Alphamore Plans with my tremendous partner, John Tiny Lund. Uh, NHL free agency. Oh, excuse me. NBA free agency. It's just a, a complete catch-as-catch-can day. Yesterday, the literally hundreds of millions of dollars uh, and we're only talking about a couple of players, if we just say hundreds of millions. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that was parceled out yesterday, uh, soon to be official in a few days, 
was mind-boggling. And, you know, as, as John has pointed out, the biggest fish, uh, the healthiest of the biggest fishes, is still out there. Uh, one Kawhi liner who it looks like it's pretty much got it down to three teams, either back to Toronto or one of the two Los Angeles franchises, uh, the Clippers or uh, John and our favorite franchise, the NBA franchise of record Los Angeles Lakers. The tandem goes to Brooklyn that had been rumored for a long, long time to be headed to the Knicks. KD will not play next year in all likelihood. So the mercurial one, the uh, ever wondrous, ever changing, incredibly knowledgeable and incredibly confusing uh, Kyrie Irving will be the lead guard for the Brooklyn Nets because he's part and parcel of acquiring those two great players. They had to say goodbye to their all-star point guard, who was rumored headed to be back to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers, but instead to get something for nothing, uh, the Warriors swung a sign-and-trade deal officially for Kevin Durant, whereby they got Russell back in that deal and then signed him to was that a max deal John or close to it I, I, I it wasn't a match was it it wasn't a huge max but I think he got close to as much as he could have he got a pretty good okay. haul from them and to make that happen they said goodbye and just goes to show you as they have always said in regards to ownership versus players it is in fact a business uh, they said goodbye to Andre Iguodala finals MVP three-time champion with the Warriors as he heads off to all places, the Grizzlies of Memphis uh, under his existing contract because they had no more room for him. So uh, the Sixers did some interesting things, as did the Celtics, all of which we'll talk about in a minute. My question to you, Big John, is at the end of, at least today, we're still the finals MVP, Kawhi Leonard, out there to be determined before we get to our Lakers. Who of all these teams in your mind is of the contenders? Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Indiana, Utah, Dallas. Who of all the teams who made major moves do I throw Sacramento? I'm, I'm not going to throw Sacramento in Is better at the end of the day than they were Saturday night at midnight. A lot of people have been thrown around Utah and Dallas. You don't know how I do this show, but it, it involves me building this semi-sort of soundproof box that I stick my head in and use the microphone for to try to alleviate the traffic that goes by or fans and things that go on in my apartment. So I don't have anything in front of me. I couldn't name you the starting lineups for either of those teams if you ask me what right now. So it's hard for me to say the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets are the, the winners. Though, just based off memory, they did okay for themselves, and they will be okay for themselves in what's going to be, again, a slaughterhouse of a Western Conference. I think the teams that we thought would be in a lot of trouble from the players that they lost did well enough to get 
back in return so that the conversation isn't as severe, looking at both the Sixers and the Celtics. When Jimmy Butler said he was going to leave, it was, well, now what? J.J. Reddick's gone. Well, now what? Well, you bring back Tobias Harris. It's not the end of the world. The Celtics losing Kyrie. This is it. They're done. Oh, no. How will they survive? What will they look like? Well, they bring in Kemba Walker. All right. We're back to being okay. I think that's what several teams can step back and say it could have been worse. And, and take yeah, the, the Golden the, State Warriors, the 11th for example. Hour, the 11th hour emergence of these signed trades. Right. That came in handy for salvaged, some teams. Salvaged. Uh, Losing some star players in free agency with nothing in return. You just mentioned Jimmy Butler, uh, who was rumored to go a couple different places. Uh, the, the Grand Wizard, Mr. Analytics, the Billy Bean of the NBA, uh, Houston GM, was looking to clear cap space uh, via sign and trade so they could get Jimmy Butler in. Excuse me, was looking to clear cap space with trades to try and get Jimmy Butler in. That did not happen. He winds up in Miami, of all places, to be the man for Pat Riley's squad in a sign-and-trade. Josh Richardson winds up in Philadelphia. Out of nowhere, literally nowhere, Al Horford always thought to be headed back to the Celtics. Doesn't get the number of years that he wants. Suddenly, they can't work it out. Al says he's a walk-in, and lo and behold, Al Horford winds up in Philadelphia. Everybody seems to think on a four-year deal at 32 years of age for $100 million. Everybody seems to think this is a tremendous move by the Sixers, and they now have this incredible defense, which I guess I'm lost. I don't see it. Uh, Embiid is, is a good defensive player, but I don't think he's, his lateral movement is that great, and at times he's slow and lumbering. Yes, he's a great shot blocker, and also at times he's injury-prone. We know that. I think that... Uh, Josh Richardson, who they brought in, is an excellent defender. Not that great an offensive player. Al Horford is a nice player. They made Al Horford out to be a top five player in free agency, and I don't see it. Nice player, solid player, excellent if he's the fourth or fifth guy on your team, which in this case he is. But four years for Al Horford in 32 years, going on 33, uh, with knee problems, I did not understand uh, – giving him $100 million, you know, over $100 million. I, I did not understand that one at all. Have they gotten better defensively? A lot of people seem to think so. I'm in the minority. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're six-foot-ten-inch point guard is much of a defender, especially when it comes to defending other point guards. And Al Horford's not getting any younger. So, and as you mentioned earlier, they lost J.J. Redick. Uh, who headed to New Orleans, small move by New Orleans, but a move that I liked. Can't have enough shooters. And I don't like what Philly did. They added a couple players. I liked what they had much more before it started than after they finished. And they paid Tobias Harris an absolute fortune. $35 million a year for a nice player in Tobias. And he's a nice player. He's not a great player. He's not an all-star. He's a capable three-point shooter. He's an excellent option. He's never been a go-to guy in a good team. He did a good job for them when they made the acquisition 
down the stretch last year, but $35 million and not one season folks. We're talking about, I believe a five-year deal at 165 million or thereabouts to retain the rights to one Tobias Harris. I'm lost on that. I'm absolutely lost to me. That's just way too much money for uh, a, a, a nice player, but that's what the numbers are calling for. You look around the league and you see that some of these guys are just making absolutely astronomical amounts of money, which I did not anticipate. Uh, Ross, who I loved uh, as a candidate for the Lakers, went back on what I thought was a relatively fair deal. I think he was four years and 14 million. I think he was four years and 56 million going back to Orlando, which I thought was right you know, a, a fair figure for him. I was hoping the Lakers were able to get him for 12, 13 million a year. It was a little bit more. Uh, Beverly goes, stays with the Clippers, 13 million a year. Uh, right around with them, maybe a little more. Little Curry, another guy I loved for the Lakers is a spot up shooter, big time three point shooter, excellent defender. The Lakers had talks with him, but the Lakers can't afford four years and $28 million for Curry when they are holding out uh, for their hero. Plain and simple. They're holding out for Kawhi Leonard, so they cannot afford to sign any of these players until the shoe drops with Kawhi. And if he comes, it's going to be minimum salaries. Uh, plain and simple. That's going to be the only spots that they can fill, except the one exception for about $4.8 million. Uh, so the Lakers still sit and wait on the finals MVP. They have signed absolutely no one of this astounding group to come in and assist LeBron James and assist uh, big Mr. Davis because they're awaiting on the MVP and see if he is going to be the third piece in the triumvirate of the puzzle. And then they will put the fillers in around him and all the rest of the capable uh, big time free agents are now pretty much gone. Willie Cauley Steins are still out there. Kelly Oubre Jr. Et cetera, et cetera. Markeith Morris, who could be a Laker possibility, but the guys you were looking at signing for eight, 10, 12, 14 million dollars a year are either gone or signed for, are gone and signed for far more than money I anticipated. Rudy Gay, I thought you were going to get him for you know, two years, 20 million. I think it was two years, 32 million. George Hill goes back to Milwaukee after they uh, opt out of his contract because it uh, was not guaranteed, and they re-signed him, I believe, for two and 28. So everybody's just getting astronomical amounts of money. Absolutely mind-numbing amounts of money. Yeah, it's interesting, and we'll hit on this more as the show goes on, as Lakers fans, and for the franchise, obviously, but from fans on the outside looking in, at least there's Anthony Davis. So you don't feel as panicked as you would, obviously, without that. You have that going for you, and, and even if nothing works out, you can at least say, well, we have Anthony Davis. We got Anthony Davis. It's not the end of the world. But it's to the point now where it feels like they've backed themselves into a corner just slightly. Because as you mentioned, several of the names that we had thrown around on this show that we thought would be good fits with the Lakers are now signed elsewhere for tons of money and good for them. Now you play the waiting game to where if Kawhi doesn't come, as you mentioned, who's left? Do you go into the trade market? Are you able to find success with that? There's been rumors that... What are you going to trade? Exactly. You have nobody to, you have nobody to trade. If, if, if he doesn't come, you are looking at Willie Cauley-Stein, 
Kelly Oubre Jr., Morris. Uh, <laughs> who the heck is left out there besides that? It is, there's, there's not, not a, a large list. There's not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, you know, pretty much all of the guys uh, that you were looking to be shooters are gone. Danny Green is still around, but Danny Green's probably going to want to go wherever he goes because uh, they're kind of joined at the hip. Yeah, he did say he's waiting to see where Kawhi goes, so you would right. think he'll follow in his footsteps, wherever those footsteps will be. There was rumors maybe they could trade for Andre Iguodala if that doesn't work out for the Grizzlies, if they just got him for that purpose, that they're willing to get rid of him, and he's been put on perhaps for the Lakers. But until Kawhi makes out. his decision, there's no sense out. speculating about it because that's going to be the main piece. And it's a weird feeling because, as you mentioned too, even if they do land Kawhi, you still got to put somebody well, out to, there. Then you're up to five guys. You got to put somebody out we can, there. We can, we can open a burger joint. So that's where... We'll be the new Five Guys franchise. <laughs> it's, it's where Lakers fans are now where it's... Uh, I, I kind of hope we get them because if not... Who knows what's going to happen? And it's interesting to even be in that predicament, right? I didn't expect the Lakers to have a shot at Kawhi. I thought it was just a fun joke that he was going to meet with the team and that he wanted Magic to come with and, and meet. And then we found out, obviously, that Magic cannot, at least not formally. He can do whatever he wants in a back alley somewhere to say to Kawhi whatever he needs to say. Now it appears it's them and the Raptors. From what I've been reading on Twitter, and that's not a source, so don't quote me on this, it appears it's down to those two, but it will just say three to be safe. Clippers, Raptors, Lakers, who would have thought? I'm shocked that they've even gotten this far, and it's to the point where it's severe enough that they kind of need him. But again, that's not the main storyline yet, unfortunately, for this show. It will be by next week, no matter what happens with Kawhi Leonard. That will be the main talking point. As we had mentioned, New York sports teams happen to be the main talking point. Unfortunately for the Knicks, they're leading the way, even though the Nets made their biggest deal in franchise history. And it's funny putting them into the sentence with the Lakers. Several years ago, the Nets were owned by the Celtics and the Lakers were owned by an aging Kobe Bryant. How, how the times have changed for both those franchises where it looked like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Now they've changed roles to where LeBron and AD, Kyrie and KD. Crazy to think about where those franchises were just a couple years ago of who knows what's going to happen. For the Knicks, any surprise that they didn't land that main star that James Dolan publicly said they didn't go after Kevin Durant because of the injury history, or they didn't offer him the max, max, max contract because of the risk of injury and his history with the Achilles. Any surprise that the Knicks came up at least almost 100% empty-handed. As you mentioned, they did get Julius Randle. They signed a couple I, other guys, but I they were ready to get the main they players. Did make other inroads. So we've been listening to all the rumors and reading all the stories and the articles and listening to all the talking heads 
who've been telling us for months that KD is headed to New York to play with the Knicks, book it. And in all probability, he's going to take somebody with him. And in all probability, that is going to be the mercurial, inquisitive, curious point guard uh, from the Celtics and Duke, Kyrie Irving. And then came the debilitating injury. And I think that threw a huge monkey wrench into the Knicks' plans. I think the Knicks would have, again, do we know for a fact? Of course not. But I think the Knicks would have offered him the max. And I think both he and Kyrie Irving would be officially Knicks in a couple days. If you are the Knicks, don't you want to see the medicals before you invest the max contract in a soon-to-be 32-year-old player who's not going to play the first year for you at all? I mean, that's only fair. It's only logical. It's only doing your due diligence. So I think for them to be ripped to shreds and annihilated uh, over the fact that they didn't go out and spend this fortune on clearly when healthy, the best player in my mind in the league, but now recovering from a very damaging injury, not in his prime age-wise, certainly in the prime of his career as a player and a productive player, but again, there is a lot of mileage on those wheels. And as we saw, those wheels, okay, blew a tire. No other way to explain it. And they also spend a fortune, the Nets do, on another player who has had some injury problems, as well as some, for lack of a better term, leadership slash internal problems with the way he handles himself and deals with his teammates. I know it has no way to perform a similar scenario to the trade that they made for the elder statesman of the Celtics when they brought in Garnett and when they brought in uh, Paul Pierce for all those draft picks. But this is an awful lot of money to invest in two super-duper stars, one of whom won't play at all and is recovering from a terrible injury, the other of whom has issues, and yes, won a championship with LeBron, and LeBron wouldn't have won it without him. Remember, he was the one who hit the winning shot and who had plus 40 in that game but also has health issues with a bulky knee and has had leadership issues and conflicts with his teammates. Is it a great day for the Brooklyn Nets? Absolutely. But to me, it doesn't make the Brooklyn Nets that much better next year than they were this past year with the trade-off of D'Angelo Russell for Kyrie Irving. The big bet, okay, the... uh, the crapshoot for them is what it's going to be for next year. When KD is back, hopefully 100% healthy, a year under his belt for Kyrie Irving with his new teammates, a, a good, youthful, solid group that supposedly likes each other, gets along well. Will Kyrie Irving not throw a monkey wrench into that plans? Hopefully for them he does not. But we don't know how he's going to fit. We don't know how healthy 
KD is going to be when he comes back in terms of the recovery of that injury. And, and, and I don't want to hear 85% of him is better than anybody else. No, it isn't. 85% of KD will be very good, but it won't be better than anybody else. That's a crock of crap. Sorry, don't want to hear it. Stop. 85% is, will be a far cry of the best player in the league. And in the meantime, we look across the river to the Mecca, and we see Julius Randle for $63 million over three years, short-term, smart, no long-term investment, a player clearly in his prime of his career age-wise, just growing up at 24, 25 after coming out of Kentucky at age 19, getting his feet under him, good year with New Orleans last year after leaving the Lakers, and a solid veteran in Todd Gibson, provide excellent leadership, defense for the young players, and leaves them room to do more next year in free agency or take on more salary via trade. So our Nick fans downtrodden is Stephen A standing at the edge of the cliff. Is he ready to jump? It certainly sounds like it. I think he's made an awful lot to do out of this, calling it the darkest day in Nick history. I think that's, a tad overblown, to say the least. Here's what surprised me. Here's what surprised me. There were other free agents out there that I think could have been available to the Knicks had they made the effort, and I did not hear about any effort. Jimmy Butler wants to be the man, and he wants a max deal. He winds up going to Miami, which is a franchise that's really in a rebuilding state. Kemba Walker. Terrific player. Time to say sayonara to Charlotte. Winds up in a side trade, side trade in Boston. With room for two max players, I never heard anything once the KD injury came about with the possibility of the Knicks going after those two players. Because I think that would have been a very good thing for the Knickerbockers to have both of those guys and those two max players. Yeah, Butler a little, both, both, you know, 29, 30-ish, thereabouts. But two players clearly in their prime, I thought would have been really good fits for the Knicks and make them an instant contender for the conference. You know, if you put them together with Barry and, you know, the big center, Mitchell Robinson, and a couple other pieces... I think you suddenly are a contender for the conference, but they didn't go that route. I thought that would have been something they would have looked into. Maybe they did, but we just never heard anything of it. All we heard for the Knicks, you know, was KD, 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 Kyrie, 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 Kyrie. And that seemed to be where all the eggs were stuffed in that basket. And uh, as a result, after the injury, uh, when they decided they didn't want to go that route, uh, there's a meeting across the river and uh, they wind up, on the outside looking in with respect to both players. And as we said, it's, it's a wonderful day for the Brooklyn franchise, but we'll see how wonderful it's going to be this year with just Kyrie and next year, how healthy KD will be. And what is KD compared to the KD that we know? And that will be the ultimate resolution as to whether or not this was uh, a good decision financially and for the future of their franchise.
Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. As Evan Cohen of the esteemed Morning Men on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, had said on Twitter last night, another thing that the Knicks could have done if they tried to play different cards correctly, they could have been the team that ends up with Iggy, they get Drogic, and they end up with a couple first-round picks in, a, in the next couple years, if they so choose. But as you mentioned... It didn't seem like they wanted to do anything else except get KD and Kyrie. For Knicks fans, part of me was thinking that the franchise needed to go after Kevin Durant just because there hasn't been much in the sense of happiness or superstardom aside from Carmelo Anthony's prime years with them. Just do something to win back the fans. American, he- Amer- American hero and legend, I might add. That's true. Three-time gold medalist. Jeremy Lin? Oh, no. Those those were fun times, too. Lin Sanity? That's probably the last time Knicks fans Car- have smiled. Carmelo Anthony. Patriot. Three-time three time Olympic gold medalist. Who is uh, still out there? Perhaps for the cheap. Like. Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. We'll see what about yeah. that. But yeah. it seemed like just do it and make the fans happy, and if the most tragic thing happens where he's never the same again, at least they'll look back and say that injury is is the curse for this, not Dolan didn't want to give him the money is the curse for this. But then I'm playing devil's advocate once again, but you're going to strap yourself to a player coming off a debilitating injury for five years. At age 31, by the time he plays for you, he's going to be 32 years old. And you're still going to be liable to him for another $160 million, $140 million? Right. For a generic franchise, this was, this was a great move because you're avoiding that possibility. Absolutely. You, you don't have to worry about the money, and you don't have to worry about his health. But this was the Knicks, and I, I can't blame the fan base for being as downtrodden as they are where now the team is is looking ahead when fans are quickly already looking ahead to 2021 when a lot of the guys on the team under these two-year deals their contracts will be up several big names again will be about in free agency but the clock continues to turn and seemingly no free agents want to play for the Knicks it's a trend that continues and I don't see the clock stopping in two years. I think it will be another, we'll go after him, we'll go after him, who's going to come to New York, and it will be no one again. It's, it's just a, a sad state of affairs, a groundhog day that you don't want to be a part of if you're a Knicks fan. And if you're a Nets fan, finally, incredible optimism. But the unfortunate part, as you mentioned, is they have to wait for that optimism to kick in. And then, again, we're not entirely sure if Kevin Durant is going to be the one that they hoped they signed up for. Optimistically, let's hope he is. And him and Kyrie can well, go I do think their we thing. All, I, think, I, I think we all want to see that, of yeah. course. I mean, there isn't anybody after what, it's not just the fact that he got hurt, it's how he got hurt. You know, anybody can try and convince me otherwise. He came back too soon. 
Uh, he shouldn't have. I would have never let him do it if I was his doctor. I would never let him do it if I was his agent. I understand why he did it. Trying to help lead his team to a championship where they were hearing rumblings from the press, from teammates, rumors, etc. Uh, he did everything he could to try and take that team on his back. And you know, he did come back in that game, play for a quarter, and they wound up winning that game. But once again, uh, they, he showed how valuable he was. And this notion that they're better off without him is pure nonsense. And uh, because of the fact that he did everything he could to get himself back on the court, he's not going to be on the court. So when a guy goes down like that, you root extra hard for him to come back. And, and will he ever be the same? I would say chances are pretty remote. It'll be to the level he was, he was, which was the best player in the world, in my mind. Uh, could he still be the best player in the world? Sure. But I don't think he will ever be at that level of himself, is my point. He's still the best player in the world, or one of them, but in my mind, he was clearly the best player in the world uh, with his skill set and his athleticism and his physical gifts at both ends of the court. And you're, you're always also going to wonder, can it happen again? Can he go down again? Is it the first of injuries to come now that he's in his 30s? Because that's when it starts to happen. You, know, you overcompensate for one, something else goes down. So you can only hope, as forget about being a Nets fan, you can only hope as a sports fan and a basketball fan, regardless who you root for, that he is back totally mended, 100% ready to go, and will be performing at a very high level and to the same level of physicality and freedom of movement and injury and pain free that he was before the calf. And you know, now obviously the Achilles, because you don't want to see a guy get struck down that early in his ever, let alone that early in his career. You want to see greatness continue. And you know, this is a guy who's always left it on the court, whether you get upset about, the Twitter stuff or the burner accounts or the press conferences. No one can ever accuse Kevin Durant of not giving everything at every possible instance for the team that he was playing for, whether it was the Thunder or whether it was Golden State. Kevin Durant was always out there, never jaking it, never missing games with questionable injuries, no load management, no disrespect to that, but always out there, always playing, always giving fans who came to see him their money's worth and performing at the highest level in the sport. Two-time finals MVP, uh, first team all world. Uh, and as I said before, in my mind, the best player in the world uh, until he was felled by these two injuries. Well, the fascinating part, too, and another reason why we hope his health is 100% as fast as it can, is going to be the dynamic of himself and Kyrie Irving, and you could throw in DeAndre Jordan if you want to, because they wanted him to come join them as well. The rumblings came out, sort of, as to why Kevin Durant wanted to leave. I believe it was the undefeated breaking it, which isn't a surprise. They're 
usually on top of these sort of things after some time. Steph Curry was on his way from China to New York to maybe try to convince Kevin Durant, come back. We're hearing that he didn't like the fact that he wasn't really able to have his relationship with Steph Curry take off and that Steph was still looked at as the guy by the Golden State Warriors fan base. And the comparisons of who's better and whose team is it and chanting MVP when Steph is at the free throw line, that, for whatever reason, ate it. Steph Curry is a great player. He's a Hall of Famer to be. He's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. But anybody who thinks that Steph Curry is a better player than Kevin Durant needs to have their head examined. A lot of it has to do with size, because when you were bigger, you could do things that smaller guys can't do. But there's not a lot that Steph Curry can do that Kevin Durant can't do. So you got a great handle, absolutely. Well, for a guy 6'10", Kevin Durant has a remarkable handle. He can bring the ball off court the same way Steph Curry can. He can go between his legs, behind his back, pull up, knock down threes. He can shoot threes over anybody. He can literally shoot threes over anybody in the world who's going to try and guard him out there from that range. And go to the basket against anybody in the world. He can post up anybody in the world. He can shoot the mid-range off any defender in the world. That's what makes him unique and extraordinary. Because he can do all those things that nobody else can do them. Uh, LeBron James can do them, but not to the not to the level of success that Kevin Durant can with, you know, pulling up off the dribble from three on a regular basis, catch and shoot threes on a regular basis, not to mention the, the mid range game and the post-up game. Uh, and cause he's a brilliant shooter. He's just, he's a tremendous shooter, maybe not to the level of Steph, but he's a better shooter from other areas on the floor than Steph. He's a better mid range shooter because he's got a mid range game. Steph's too small in a mid-range game. He'll take wide open 15-footers, but you don't see him go and pull up and take 15-footers with a hand in his face. Very rarely. Brilliant player. But one guy's the best player in the world. The other guy isn't. That means one guy is better than the other guy. And that's it, and that's all in my mind. And that's no knock on Steph Curry. I love him. I can love understand. His, love, love his ability. Love what he's made himself into. How hard he's worked to make himself one of the great players of all time. No doubt in my mind about that. But simply not, not, not as great as his ex-teammates. I can understand where the Warriors fans are coming from in it. Like, this is our guy, homegrown. We watched him battle those ankle injuries. Here he is. Unanimous MVP. He's our guy, Kevin Durant's an outsider. But There's nothing the matter with loyalty. There's they're going to regret this. With, with, with this being a guy that they... Well, look, they had nothing to regret. Ownership was making the max offer. He left. And if he left because of issues with it not being his team, if he left because of issues with the medical staff and not trusting the team doctors, the same way... Kawhi Leonard said, trade me to the Lakers, by the way. And Greg Popovich said, okay, I'll trade you to another country. (laughs) Unless I have a sit-down with Kevin Durant. If you have a sit-down with him, let me know. If you're lucky, if you have a sit-down with him, let me know what the reason is behind or the reasons behind it. 
I think my personal opinion is I think he lost trust for the medical staff. Just my opinion. But that could be totally off base, totally out to lunch. And maybe it was just time for a new adventure. Uh, I just, uh, I don't understand Brooklyn. Sorry, I, I don't get it. I don't understand Brooklyn. I, I, yeah, it's New York, but it, it's, it's the Brooklyn Nets. And um, I, I know if it's me, not that it matters what anybody thinks I'm going to do. I'm going to stay where I am and help open a new arena. And Clay's staying and Steph's staying. And I'm coming back. And I'm going to work my best to get myself back into shape and see how they do without me. Because when I'm back, we're winning more championships. But, you know, he is going to be a Brooklyn Net. And uh, we'll see how they do without him for a year and then with him for a good chunk of the rest of his career. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Fans, I think, will come to regret this era that now ended of their fandom for not necessarily embracing him and making him feel like he was as huge of a part of them winning two championships as he actually was. Two-time MVP, carried them to two championships. But I think in the back of a lot of Warriors' minds, it was, yeah, well, he's not Steph. He's not our guy. And yeah, well, they I lo- think they it was everything. The two, they, they lost the two championship series they didn't have before. Right, exactly. I, I think it was a little bit of everything. It was feeling like an outsider. It was, there's there's things in the locker room where everybody was doing their own thing. And it makes sense. Steph has young kids. Uh, Clay's going to just look at himself in the mirror and growl and, and try to become better. Draymond's off doing his own thing. That's fine. I don't think Kevin Durant necessarily loved that aspect. The fans being all about Steph, about Clay, about Draymond, their big three, their guys. And then when the doctor scenario happened as well, I mean, he, I know he's going to New York and the bright lights and everything, but he'll be beloved in Brooklyn. He'll be out of the eye of the Mecca in Madison Square Garden. He can just go out and do what he loves saying every time it gets brought up. He just wants to go out and play basketball. And now he gets the opportunity to do it once he comes back healthy. He can just go out night after night and play basketball. What interests me is who he's deciding to play basketball with and bringing along Kyrie Irving for the ride. Because as you mentioned, he's got the injury history and he brings with himself a little bit of baggage. And now for Kyrie, it's, there's no more excuses. There's no, well, I didn't really like playing with LeBron I thought I was the guy. Nobody gave me the credit. Okay, you go to Boston. I don't really like the coach. I don't really like the locker room. I want to leave. Okay, well, now you picked where you wanted to go. You know who the coach was going to be. You know who the players were on the team. You had the complete decision here as to where you want to play and who you want to play with. Let's see it, man. Now's the chance. And you got Kevin Durant next to you, who's not going to be the LeBron James talking to the media, doing his, his own 
projects off the court. KD will direct all that. Hey, man, talk to Kyrie. I just want to play basketball. Let's see it. I find that incredibly fascinating to see how they're going to gel if they do and how that's going to work. But I do agree with you a little bit. It's the Nets, man. <laughs> I mean, it's just interesting. It's very interesting to see how that's going to work out, and it's interesting to see how Golden State, quote-unquote, rebounds. Tell me what your opinion is of the Golden State Warriors with the addition of D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, they will be without Clay Thompson for a good chunk of the year, who is signing his new deal, his new master deal. They did bring Looney back. They re-signed him. So eventually, you're going to be looking at a, I, I guess, a backcourt of uh, D'Angelo Russell and Steph with Clay potentially moving to the small forward. That is a small ball team, but that is a team that can surely shoot the lights out. Two brilliant passers in Steph and handlers in Steph and Russell. Uh, the really first chance for Russell to play with a top flight group where he is not going to be looked upon to be a guy to carry the team. Uh, a lot of pressure on him with the Lakers as a second overall pick. Goes to New Jersey in the trade with the Lakers and rediscovers himself, stays healthy, becomes an all-star is the best player on this team this year, takes them to the playoffs. Well, now he's going to a team where he's, based upon the way we look at players, the third best player on the team. How does he fit into that role? How does he handle that? How does he deal now with playing with champions, which he's never done before? He's never played with champions before. LeBron wasn't there. There were no champions with the Lakers when he was there. There were no champions on the Nets. Now he's going to play with two, three-time champions. How does he handle that? How do they handle him? Very, how does Steve Kerr handle him? Very intriguing situation in a West that is up for grabs. Let's not pronounce Golden State dead just yet in the West with the 40 wins and the 42 wins and the 44 wins. Is it a war? No doubt about it. Knock down, drag out every night? Absolutely. But guys come back from ACLs in eight, ten months. So I can see Clay Thompson being back in January and ready to go. I can see it. February, February worst case scenario. So if that's the case and they are in a position to make the playoffs, that's a team that can do damage in the postseason in the West with those three scores. No doubt about it. Talk about spreading the floor. Holy mackerel. Great coach. Team that knows how to win. Guys who are going to come back hungry because everybody's counting them out. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. If you're the West... You're definitely thrilled Kevin Durant is no longer in it. But as you mentioned, do not take for granted the Golden State Warriors. Do not think they won't be in the running for an NBA championship again. And expect new faces to potentially emerge to fight for that as well as the season progresses. And we can get into 
taking a closer look at both conferences next week once the aforementioned Kawhi Leonard does decide which team will be his new or current team moving forward. Before we go, I did want to hit on what turned out to be a home run derby slugfest video game performance from the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox across the pond in London for a two-game event. Very high-profiled by baseball. Look at us being international. Look at all the people here. Look what we were able to do with the field and the merriment and the games themselves. I couldn't believe the offense. I don't think I'm alone in saying that. There's still major league pitchers out there throwing these baseballs. The highest over-under was set at 15.5 for game two after a 17-13 football game in game one. They matched that over-under pretty easily. Yankees almost covered it themselves. That was very surprising. What I didn't like, I mean, everything was great about it just on its face. Like, wow, we're in London. There were British announcers for some of the calls, which was fantastic. Baseball, you can't get enough. And you, you got to love offense. What I don't like is the teams that they're picking to go to this and where it is in the season. And I believe your team will be up next next year. Those games are incredibly important in the AL East for both these teams. To have any sort of asterisk put next to those two games, where in game one you got to go into your bullpen and use all these guys, how that affects them for the next game, how it will affect the next series. I know the All-Star break is coming, thankfully, so they'll all get rest. But the travel, Boston then having to go to Canada to play against the Jays, I'm not quite sure why they thought it was a good idea to make these division games. So now the Red Sox lose those two home games against the Yankees. To do it in the regular season, it just didn't make much logical sense as far as the competitive nature of it to me, where I'm all about going international, spreading the game. I think you could do this in spring training and it would have the same impact and merriment and it doesn't have to impact the season. I think it's a little bit too risky. And folks, this is what makes the new report, old report so great, because we have my partner, John Tining on, who's all for watching them play with a Titleist or a Super Bowl. And I find it, I'm the biggest baseball fan in the world. It's my favorite sport. I find it unwatchable. More Yankees, Red Sox, I've had it up to my eyeballs. They send them across the pond, put them in a, Olympic-sized soccer stadium, which is where they have the, the London Olympics. And they use baseballs that the pitchers can't even feel the seams on. And, of course, the dope of a commissioner says, we didn't die, we're, 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 we're doing the baseballs. Pitchers said they couldn't even feel the seams. They want to entertain the folks in London. So they use baseballs that are flying out literally like they're Super Bowls. I mean, these things are being launched in every conceivable angle and direction non-stop football scores i mean please enough already with this you're bastardizing the game to get some popularity over in london you can't just go over and sell your game the way it is i guess not because you've had to do that over here so you have to take this dog and pony show this circus across the pond with all these home runs guys i never heard of hitting the ball 475 feet the other way i mean enough this is literally a joke 
I'm watching play-by-play announcers call a pop fly, and the next thing you know, it's over the wall. You know, I'm watching guys slam their bats down because they think they popped up. The next thing you know, it's over the wall. Enough already. This is not necessary. You know, we don't have to see a hockey game be 15 to 13. A football game doesn't have to be 100, 112 to 99. A baseball game doesn't have to be 17 to 13. Enough. Can it? Bring back the real game. This is a phony game. Guys hitting balls out who have no business hitting home runs. Guys are taking fastballs on the outside part of the fleet at 98 miles an hour, reaching the bat out and just poking them over the right field wall. Guys taking breaking balls that are down and away, a foot outside off their shoe tops and yanking them over the left field wall 410 feet. Come on. Doesn't happen in the real world. It happens when you're playing with top flights. This is ludicrous. Absolutely asinine. They are ruining the game, and what they sent across the pond was not the real game. And they sent it across the pond to sell tickets, which was great they did, and get the crowd all pumped up. That's terrific. It's a great game. And you want to know something? If it was 7-6, it would have been a great game, too. And if it was 3-2, it would have been a great game, too. I didn't need two touchdowns and a field goal to two touchdowns and a missed extra point. I don't need that. That's not the game. Let, let, let's let's have them bring soccer over here to get it more popular over here so America takes hold and let's change the rules of the game. You know, you know what? Let's make the goalie, let's make the goal twice the size. So the score instead of one nothing or two one is nine eight. Let's do that. That's basically what they're doing. Sorry, put me down for a no, Mr. Commissioner. Cubs, Cardinals, London 2020. Folks. Get the GoFundMe page up and running to send Al to watch his beloved Cardinals overseas in one year's time. We'll document the entire trip and ride and give play-by-play from wherever he can get service. If it's on somebody else's dime, I will consider it. Al, it's always a pleasure. Until next week, he's John Tiny Lund. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Enjoy the rest of the free agency frenzy. Don't forget NHL free agency is taking hold. Next, we might even have a hockey minute. Until next time, I'm Rick John Tiny One. I'm El Renato. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.